I guess we're grown-ups now, the podcast about being the kind of adults we want to be. I'm one of your hosts, Carrie Halstead. I am joined shortly by Brooke Shelley. This was a special episode of I Guess We're Grown-ups Now. We happened to be in the same city, and so we got together in Brooke's living room and recorded while snuggling with cats and drinking mulled wine. It was a good time, and we celebrated by talking about a very fun topic, uh, death and mortality. So if uh, talk about dying and ways of dying, sometimes lighthearted, sometimes not, um, and even talk of suicide is something that uh, you're very sensitive to, consider this your content warning and take care of yourself in uh, the best way you know how. Show notes and links can be found at goodstuff.fm slash grownups slash 21. As always, you can find us on Twitter at grownups underscore FM, and you can listen to us and subscribe on iTunes. I Guess We're Grownups Now is sponsored by FeedPress. FeedPress is a simple, intuitive, and powerful RSS analytics and podcast hosting platform featuring powerful subscriber and podcast download tracking, integrated newsletters, automated publishing to popular social networks such as Twitter and Facebook, a slick drag-and-drop podcast hosting interface, and everything you need in order to submit an optimized feed to iTunes. With 250 meg of flexible file storage that rolls over monthly, you can easily upload four episodes per month. Upgrading storage is easy and affordable, starting at a flat rate of just $20 per gig. FeedPress also features great new analytics uh, for geolocation and valet migration from other platforms. Sign up today and try FeedPress on a 14-day trial, no contracts or commitments. Use promo code GROWNUPS during checkout to get 10% off your first year. Thanks to FeedPress and goodstuff.fm for hosting I Guess We're Grownups Now. All right, on to the show. Enjoy. We should have mortality generally, right? Yeah, so I mean, I think the thing that you sort of broached in the last episode was when did you first get a sense of your own mortality and like when... As an adult, yeah. Yeah, it's a Good question. It's a bummer of a topic. It is so sad. I think it's a problem a lot of times because I don't, um, you know, a lot of people don't have a sense of mortality until they're much older. So I talk about this with friends sometimes because I, um, I dealt with death at a younger age. Like I had a grandparent that was very, very close to mm-hmm. who died when I was in my teens. And then I had my dad die when I was 23. Oh, no, I yeah. Like a month before I got married. Wow. Um, yeah. And so there's just weird, like, okay, I guess that's a thing that happens. Um, and I don't know a lot of people who've had the similar experience. And so, um, and then friends who've like been diagnosed with like nearly terminal cancer and have recovered, but like some people have also right. not. And like, yeah, so it was, I don't know if my own personal mortality has come up as much, but like being around death a lot, yeah. at least, it's like a weird deal. Um, you don't have to answer if you don't want to, but was your dad's death like expected or was it sudden and unexpected? Oh, well he had, he was diagnosed with like stage four colon cancer and then he had a year after that. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, when I read about colon cancer, all the risk factors suggested that it was not unexpected Uh, (laughs) because it's like brown alcohol, (laughs) um, not eating enough vegetables, not exercising. Right. Well, it's not a surprise, but it's a bummer. Totally. Um, and not everybody who drinks right. eats those things totally. gets colon cancer. And- but it inspired me to like actually take care of myself a little more. Yeah. Um, but no, it was a weird deal. And like we were estranged would be putting it lightly. Mm. And uh, so like I hadn't really seen him but maybe a handful of times after I moved out at 17 yeah. and then saw him like on his deathbed. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Which is also a weird deal. Yeah, and like the, um, he was part of a church that was very positive and stuff. And so they had like, they came to his house and they were all like praying and like singing. And I was just like, this is really weird. And they were apparently taking photos and like putting them on Facebook. 
which is also like wow. disturbing. Yeah. But um but yeah. Celebrating his life. I guess. It felt weird. It felt like a weird like in the same way we were talking about Paris, like it felt like a um like a performance in a way of right. like we have to do this. Yeah. Which is strange. Yeah. I don't know, when was when was the first time that you dealt with it? Or felt it? Um I've been pretty sheltered from, like, people I'm really close to dying. Like, anybody who I've known personally who died were very old. Like, it was always grandparents, great-grandparents. So, I mean, it's pretty easy to, like, not identify with that. Sure. And, you know, it's something that happens, right, it's something that happens to super old people. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, so, I don't think, I've just now started to, like, worry about my parents dying. Mm. Are they in their 60s or 70s? Yeah, late 60s. Yeah. And... But even that doesn't seem, like, real. I think, so, with both of my daughters, mm-hmm. um, I had emergency C-sections. Not emergency in the sense that they were, like, ripping me open and get the baby out. Not like the alien but, like, movie. they weren't planned. They weren't, like, a chest burster. Yeah. yeah. No. It's good. <laughs> Which is how I imagine motherhood, by the way. Right, she just gets totally. out of the way. Oh, yes. Like, I just assume that's, that's how it happens. Accurate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but both of them... Um, like without surgical technology and, you know, rubber gloves and antibiotics and stuff like that, I would be dead. Right. Sure. The babies were not coming out without surgery. So, um, I think when I sort of came down from the whole, okay, I have a baby and had time to think about what that meant, Mm -hmm. like that's pretty daunting and, and the fact that now you're responsible for somebody else's life as well. Like, like they're pretty reliant on you for the first, I don't know, it hasn't ended yet. Yeah, but, um, sure, sure. Like, you know, doing things like buying life insurance more than just the default, like what your job offers or whatever. And thinking, of, like making a plan, like what really does happen to your kids if you die. Like that sort of made me think about it more. Because you have to take care of them, or you want to take care of them when you do. Yes. If you do. Yeah, you want their life to be at least easy in other respects. Like, you get that it's not going to be easy sure. emotionally or whatever. Uh, there's not much you can do for them at that point, other than, like, provide for them financially. Do you think you're, like, an... Are you, do you th- would you characterize yourself as, like, a nervous parent? Like, do you think that... Like, were you ever the kind of parent that you were like, oh my God, what if my daughters get kidnapped? What if something oh, happens to them? Oh, totally. Okay. Oh yeah. my gosh. <laughs> like, if I wake up in the middle of night, right. I start, like, running through scenarios of all the things. You would check on them again wrong. and again or something. Yeah. Well, I was never one. I held myself back from, like, going and checking because I knew if I gave into that, like, urge that it does that. The, it's downhill from there. Like, if you can't stop yourself from, like, overreacting like when I first had kids they were just starting to get into sort of um baby technology like monitoring technology oh, for babies okay sure so like there was a thing called not like a Fitbit <laughs> for no, kids but basically a yeah, Fitbit for kids okay. like you could buy this pad that would lie on the, oh, no way. their crib okay uh bed and if they stopped breathing it would alert you in your room so, oh, like, you like, could sense whether you were for SIDS. Yeah. Jeez. So, I'm like, you know what? Like, okay. What are you going to do with that information? Like, for starters, all the false positives, like... Are going to freak you the you fuck out. Freak you out. Yeah. Like, I can't... I can't... If my kid's going to die... Right. My kid's going to die. Right. And they're like, resilient little buggers, but at the same time, they like they're I fragile. I had a niece who had who died of SIDS. Like it yeah. happens. Not niece; she was my cousin's kid. Sure, but like, yeah, sure, it happens. Yeah, but I think I, I can't go through life assuming right. Like, like to buy one of those 
pads for under your kid's crib, like it assumes that your kid is going to die. Right. And that to me is like the same kind of thing as like owning a gun for quote unquote protection. Yeah. It's just like, if you assume that the world is antagonistic towards you and that you're going to die at any given time or that terrorists or some unknown force is, it's just like, it's a, it's a kind of pessimism that isn't rooted in reality Right. Because statistically, it's just unlikely. Like, And the Plus, things that do happen usually just take you out without you having a choice. Or- well, right. This is the thing, is that buying the gun or whatever, or the breathing sensor pad, right. suggests that you can actually do something about it. Sure. Which you probably But we like can't. to think we can, because I think that's the thing, I don't know, from what I've read at least, it seems like for the longest time we've wanted to have some control over death. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of what right. we do, is like, take pills and like, work out and like... Like, protect ourselves in different ways so that the inevitability of our decline is, like, limited. This is a super fun podcast episode. Yeah, but it's real, though. I mean, it's a real thing. I mean, I'm in Portland where, like, everyone's very focused on, like, how to better themselves. And, like, I was talking to my grandma yesterday, and and she was just, like, she's almost 87, and she was, like, well, I think my body's just kind of wearing out. Yeah. Um, And... And it was just, we kind of laughed about it because she was just like, it happens to everybody. <laughs> and I'm just like, <laughs> and I told her that I was kind of looking forward to it and also not like in the, in the same, because I, I think about like, if I make it to 87, yeah. um, like just how much of an awesome life I will have right. had and right. how much I'll have to look back on. And, and I'm also like, you know, maybe I can, there's a little bit of a challenge there. Maybe I can do better. Maybe I will be one of those older people who is a little bit more physically active. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I also don't ever, well, okay, I also don't ever want to die. Like, if I could pursue immortality, I would. Yeah. um, Mostly out of curiosity. Right. Yeah, I don't want to die. Right. There's so many cool things that might happen in the next, like, 10,000 years. (laughs) Like, why not just watch them all? (laughs) You think anything cool will happen in the next 10,000 years? I mean, something's going to (laughs) explode. Maybe we'll travel somewhere. Yeah. Maybe other things will show up. Yeah. Um, Maybe we'll just keep making better MacBook Airs. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's the really depressing truth about our future is it just becomes oh. smaller and smaller devices. I hope not. I hope there's some interesting things and I hope that some of those systemic inequalities get, um, or inequalities get like balanced out a little bit, but it would be cool to live through like a revolution as amazing as the last hundred years, like in the last hundred years. Oh yeah. We've had automobiles and like, mass production of all kinds of things and telecommunication right. and the internet and all these, like is the next hundred years going to be also that amazing? Right. That's yeah. pretty cool. Well, and bring, bring up my grandma again. Like she was born in 29. Right. I think. Yeah. No, is that right? Uh, yes. 29. And so she has seen the rise and fall of sort of terrestrial radio, like computers come around going from model t's to the current cars we have now and all of these things like the internet um and hasn't kept pace with all of them but just has seen a lot of it so i also wonder too like on the mortality front is like do you think that ours or a few generations around us are the first ones that actually thought they might be able to live forever and in the in like a technological sense and Mm. not in like a metaphysical sense because i think there was definitely like an egyptian concept obviously of like if we make these big things and we just put ourselves in them, um, unless you believe Ben Carson that they use them for grain. <laughs> but like, if we go in there, then we'll like live forever. And right. like, right. Um, we'll live. Yeah. Forever. But I think that like the, maybe the fifties I feel like was like the, we're going to go to the moon. We're going to go to space and we're going right. to be like forever living astronauts or something. Right. It became, instead of just being something supernatural that would make us live forever, it became something that man made. We could defeat. Would. Yeah help us live forever. So yeah. bootstrapping our own mortality, <laughs> right. immortality. Right. And I think that's kind of a strange thing to see too. There's occasionally media about, you know, really rich people or something like sort of these like mm, morality tales almost of like super wealthy people who try to extend their lives and it just doesn't go well. Right. Um, or, you know, the, it just eventually gives up. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. And I think there's like that on the flip side is the like, memento mori, right? The whole, like, let's remind ourselves that we'll die and what would that look like? Because, I mean, even if we figure out how to extend our lives, there's still a billion ways to die. There are. It's true. I think it was a TV show as well. But yeah, Yeah, (laughs) there's like a weird one. 
or just every episode of Six Feet Under, which used to worry me quite a bit because I would see the beginning. Yeah. And there was someone where like somebody choked on a sandwich and one where somebody like broke their neck doing yoga. And both of those, I was just like, oh my God, will that be me? I'm so scared of both of those things. But yeah, like, yeah, all of the, all the shows about like the terrible ways that things can happen to you. But like, I don't know if, uh, I don't know if those feel real in the same way that like, if you're not just a hyper paranoid, hypervigilant person, it doesn't feel actually dangerous to eat a sandwich. It doesn't feel actually dangerous to fly in a plane most of the time. For some people it does, for some people it doesn't. It certainly doesn't feel dangerous to get in a car. Right. Which is far more dangerous than either of those things. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and like there's a lot of those things that I think, mm, I don't know. I just wonder sometimes if like, if it would be better for us to actually consider it more regularly in a more like thoughtful way than just to kind of be like, oh my God, planes are scary (laughs) or something, right? Yeah. But I don't know. (laughs) I know one thing for sure Mm. is when I go, I want to know that I'm dying. Mm. Like I want to be able to have that chance to sort of go, oh my God, like it's happening. Do you have a song? Do you have a playlist? No. I don't have a playlist. (laughs) You don't have a death song or death playlist? You just like cue up some like Marvin Gaye or something? I don't know. Let's just make yeah, just make love and make the love with death. <laughs> it was a it was a question that came up. Um, I went to go see Carrie Brownstein um, get interviewed, and initially she was supposed to be interviewed by Tig Notaro, and then instead it was her former bandmates from Sleater Kinney, and that was cool. Wow. Uh, and I don't remember if it was an audience question or one of their questions, but they were like, "Well, what would be on? What's the last song you'd want to hear if right. the plane was going down?" And she was just like, that's a dark question. And then she was like, well, I don't really know. Like I have, um, she was like, well, I was just listening to like Kurt Vile. And they were like, you don't want to listen to that when you're dying. And she was like, what do you think I'm going to do? Like the plane's going down and just like scrolling through my iPod looking for like a good song to put on. And then I was like thinking to myself, like, what would I want to listen to? Like, what's the last thing I'd want to hear? And I don't know. I think that'd be <laughs> something exciting. Something that like gets me pumped up maybe. Oh yeah. You think so? No, I don't know. I probably would be Godspeed Black Emperor or something like that. <laughs> something really dirgy. Rock. Um, but maybe, maybe it would be like peaches. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking like something white stripes. White stripes? Yeah. yeah. Like Seven Nation Army or something there you like go. that. Something yeah. a little bit, you know, or like one of my favorite bands um, of all time that nobody's ever heard of is this band called Flashlight Brown. Mm-hmm. They were a Toronto punk band from the 2000s, late 90s, 2000s. And they had a song about a man being marched out in front of a firing squad. Oh, wow. And sort of his last FU to the world. And yeah, it's, I mean, that's kind of... A like, defiant song. Yeah, very defiant. Like, you're going to kill me, but screw you. Like, this is on you and I'm just, whatever. Yeah. yeah. I'd kind of like to approach death like that. Like, like I didn't want to go... Yeah. But if I'm going to go, I want to go sort of gracefully. Okay. But sort of like also like, screw you. I never wanted this anyway. <laughs> you kind of want agency in some way. Yeah. yeah that I guess sense. that's it. Yeah. I remember being also pretty young when I heard about, like I had a great uncle who um, was diagnosed with like a brain cancer. And this was like in the, I think it was in the seventies when that happened. And he got his diagnosis and he said, okay. And then he went home and just shot himself. Yeah. And and I, that's something I thought about too a lot when I was a kid because I was like, well, you know, what happens when you do have like something ter- like life is a terminal illness maybe? Yeah. <laughs> like, but yeah. like what happens when you have something more pressing where you're like, well, is it like this or go whatever? And like, I don't know. That seems like a difficult decision to make. It does. As someone who's even struggled with depression, I'm like, I don't even know if I could do that. Like that seems yeah. like a lot. Yeah. Um, which is probably good. It's probably good that I like to live. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's a tricky deal. And I've had people close to me that have made that decision. Yeah. And I've had people close to me who didn't make that decision and then had something bad happen to them Ugh. where they died anyway. And that was oh. really, yeah, it, it felt really like, like a, like a cheat. Right. Um, like yeah, been spared the right, and I don't know if you were you a were you a risk taker as a kid? No, okay, I'm still not a well, I'm more of a risk taker now, but that's not saying much. Sure, I was like completely not. Were you? Um, 
within, I, I think I was a very cautious person, but I hung out with a lot of people who were not. Right. Um, I found them in, interesting. And so I would usually be the one who was like, I'll wait outside the fence that you're climbing into to like scale this building that's derelict. I will be the witness. To- sort of. Yeah. <laughs> or like, no, I mean, I'll do some of these things, but not all of these right. things. Or like, yeah, like, you know, a lot of my friends were like very, very experimental with drugs. And I would be like, well, I'm going to do a little bit and yeah. not a lot. And, yeah. and, you know, it took some of them out. And like, it was a really weird thing to be the person on the outside. But I mean, I definitely like look back sometimes and think to myself, especially around things like car racing. Yeah. I did a lot of like illegal car racing. Um, I would just be like, Oh, I don't know how I'm alive. Right. Like, well, we did a lot of really dumb shit. Yeah. That no clue. Like luck. I think I would, if I was still um, a religious person, I would say like, you know, there by the grace of God or something like that. um, The angels were watching over you or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And I think ultimately just like, I don't know something, it worked out. Statistics. (laughs) Statistics. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Which I was a terrible student at. So (laughs) don't, can't calculate that one for me. (laughs) So you never took any, like, like, did you have any brushes when you were like brushes with like risky things when you were younger where you were like, I did oh, stupid man. things, okay. but like none that could have got me killed. I don't think, except for like, getting pregnant. Apparently, well, right, <laughs> which but is not I, a stupid I was thing. An adult by then, but it could yes. get you killed, yeah. right? I could have died from that. Um, but like, yeah, I was like the kid, like telling people, um, like let me out of the car if you're going to race it because I don't want to be part of this, right? Or sure. So or like when they're hot boxing, you're just like, I'll walk home. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's okay. You guys drink and drive if you want. I'm Audi. Yeah. I drove myself always for <laughs> that yourself. reason. Oh, I see. So yeah, because I was, be I, I trust myself yeah. and I don't drink heavily. And so I would just know that I could always get home safe because I was always the one making that decision. Right. Yeah. And I had no qualms about asking people to like stay at their house if I needed to either. Yeah. Which I think kept me safe as well. But, but I still like, it's, I think the, riskiest thing I ever did was I was about 19. It was actually my nine. I was, it was my 20th birthday. Yeah. Oh God. I hope mom and dad aren't <laughs> listening to this. And, um, I was, you never told them the story. No, okay. God, no. All right. Um, so I was living in Ottawa mm-hmm. for the first time by myself. It was the first time I was like off living on my own. I didn't know a soul in the city. And I was downtown Ottawa one Saturday. Well, it was my birth, the day before my birthday. Okay. And I met this boy who was like, he pulled a rickshaw. Like that was his summer job. He was a rickshaw driver. Mm-hmm. And which is like a pedicab, right? Right. A pedicab. Okay. And uh, so he, I mean, I hired him to like, give me a little tour around downtown. Yeah, and then we, <laughs> yeah, I did. And then we went out for dinner after and then we went like, yeah, it was did like you, did so you, cliche. Did you hit on him or did he hit on you? We hit on each other. I okay. mean, it was pretty mutual. You just I kept guess. giving him directions to go in circles. Yeah, exactly. And you're like, well, I don't well, have to get it's off. It's my birthday tomorrow. Do you want to take me over supper? And then, so we went over supper and then we went back to his place after. And mm-hmm. like, it was like one of those things where I went home with somebody who I did not know sure. at all. Right. And it could have gone any number of ways that would have been not what I would have chosen for myself. Sure. He just happened to be a, a nice guy. guy. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I mean, he was also like a skinhead, which <laughs> in, I didn't know what that meant. Yeah. Maybe I was very sheltered, sure. but like he was one of the good <laughs> skinheads, but like that's the, was he an anti-fascist skinhead or was he, he like was a Nazi skinhead? sharp? Like, Oh sure. Skinheads against racism. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's the best kind. Right. If yeah. You, yeah. If you're going to date a skinhead. Right. The sharps. So, yeah. And he was like not into really drugs or alcohol or anything. He was like straight edge or whatever. He was straight edge. Yep. But he was still like a fucking racist. So, Mm -hmm. um, now I know that now. I didn't really get it then. But anyway, so like that's probably the riskiest, stupidest, like could have gone south. Like I could have been in a dumpster. Like, did you tell anyone before you went to his house? Like, Oh no. Cause I was living on my own. I was like, exactly. Right. Like, yeah. Like, yeah, I do that. Like mommy is horrified. I taught a class the other day and a friend of mine came to the class. Um, it was on like monologue 
and I was chatting with her about the first time we met. And I was like, cause we were, I was introducing myself to another person. I was like, Oh, I already know Chloe. And, and I was like, yeah, I mean, the first time I met you, we were on Twitter and I was going to see Sister Spit, like, a reading, like, with Sister Spit folks. And I said on Twitter, like, would anyone want to be my date tonight? And she volunteered. And all I knew about her was that her avatar was of an old man. And her name was something nonsensical. And that she was a woman in maybe her 20s, but didn't know that for sure. Right. And so I was like, okay, I'll come pick you up. And then just messaged a couple friends and say, this is the address I'm going to. <laughs> I might be going to get murdered. Like, we'll see what happens. I hope it's a cool person. Right. And turned out to be a really delightful woman who is a good friend of mine now. But it was just like, this feels very strange. But like, I've not only done that that time, but I've like flown across the country to see people that I knew online. Right. Who I was just trusting that like, they are who they say they are. Well, for instance. Some of whom I talked on the phone with. Right. I mean, here I am. I'm sitting in your apartment. You're right. a person who I've met. A couple of times sure, before. Sure, sure. But I, I'm honestly, I don't think my parents would approve. <laughs> you got home with a strange woman. Literally. Very. And you're just surrounded by cats now. Cats. To describe the scene that we're the in. cats are very dangerous. We, yeah, we are living my, sitting in my living room on my couch, and the cats are just kind of circling us. We're eating warm wine. Eating. Drinking. Drinking. Yeah, <laughs> we're drinking warm wine, mulled wine. <laughs> and uh, they are... Yeah, one of them keeps sneezing. You're probably hearing that occasionally. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my cat Snorri. But it's yeah, a, it's a very dangerous environment. I don't feel like we'll get to record this podcast like in the same city very often. It's a real shame. So it's a good opportunity. It is a good opportunity. Yeah. Maybe I'll visit Saskatoon. That'd be awesome. It would be cool. We encourage like <laughs> anytime, like I have a new friend who's like, Ooh, Saskatoon sounds remote. Maybe I'll visit there sometime. We're always like, yeah, come visit us. Cause no one ever <laughs> comes to Saskatoon. Well, I already so mentioned that I have to go to Winnipeg. So that's right. But I don't know. Is it, do you feel like is Saskatoon like a place that, that you would consider a safe, like, is it a thing that like generally like a safer kind of like suburban-y kind of place? Um, there are portions of the city that very much are. There are also portions of the city where there are people getting knifed on a nightly basis. Like, one of our friends, uh, he's an acquaintance of mine, but his, he has a 12-year-old son, 12-ish, mm. who got, like, jumped on his way home from school, broad daylight. Wow. Um, That's a bummer. Yeah. Terrible. And he, so there are very okay, violent or? parts. His, I think he got a concussion and he Ooh. was in hospital. Like, huh. it was not good. Yeah. But, and also now he's had the trauma of being jumped on the way home from school right. by someone who took his, like, books. Which is also, backpack. like, not likely to happen again, but we'll... Right, but like time, try so. telling that to. Oh yeah, no, I mean, try if I happened exactly. to me, I'd try telling it to me. It wouldn't happen. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, no, there are places that are not. I mean, it's very poverty-stricken so in places. You would not let not. your kids walk to school then, or do they walk to school? Or? Um, we don't have a school in walking distance from our house. So we drive them to school, but if we were in a neighborhood, um. Like, if we lived close to their school, yes, I would let them walk to school. Gotcha. Okay. But it's in a very different portion of the city than where this kid got yeah. jumped. So. I think it's a strange thing, too, because, um, like, when I, I visited Japan at one point in time, and, like, when I, I may have mentioned this before a little bit, but anyway, like, I was there, and, and like, kids were just going to school on the train. Mm, it seemed like, I mean, it's yeah, and it's yeah. like the, I don't pretend to understand a lot about Japanese culture, but it seems like some of the cultural rituals are around comfort with death and around like this understanding of the ancestors being still alive in some way. And like some veneration that happens. Um, but there's a lot less fear around like the death of children in in a way. So kids will just like by themselves ride the subway to go to school. And you would see like preschoolers or kindergartners just like, maybe not preschoolers, but kindergartners or first graders, like elementary school kids on their own, doing their homework, sitting on the train and and I just thought to myself, like, how rare that is here. And I don't, like, in the same way that I don't know if we are as comfortable with death. Right. As maybe, I don't know if they are more comfortable or not, but um, but there seems to be this gap in some ways. I think that's right. Our I, fear being there's bigger. There's something about North American culture that tells us that we're all very special. <laughs> and that mm-hmm. we deserve all the good things that have happened to us. And that hiding behind every corner is somebody who's trying to take that away from us. Right. And us personally, not just someone, but like each individual person is being targeted right. for something terrible to happen to them. And that's, 
obviously not true, but right. I think all of us operate to some extent to varying degrees with that sort of a little like, bit of fear. Yeah. It's that jump you get when you're walking down the street by yourself and you're like, oh man, I got to walk home. And some people have bad things happen to them. I totally. have no people who have. Yeah. Um, and so it's not completely unfounded. Right. I do. Okay. So the, the, the most afraid um, that I was in that sense ever, uh, not a personal thing, but like a seeing afraid of how afraid people get, I guess yeah. I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, I was with a partner and we were visiting um, her family and we were hanging out with her aunt and uncle and they were watching this American show called like 2020. Mm-hmm. I'm like, we get 2020. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So they were watching that. And that whole show seems centered around this, like mm. this, like vague fear of the other. And so I don't even remember what they were talking about. Um, I, I would love to say that it was butt chugging, but it wasn't, <laughs> but it was one of those just like, everyone's out to kill you. Like the world is the worst. And I just kept thinking to myself, like, this is why older people are so scared all the right. time is because they watch these goddamn television shows yeah. that like, and now I sound like a much older person being like, ah, oh, TV, but, but they, <laughs> they watch these shows that are like sowing these seeds of like despair in right. their hearts. Yes. Um, or like my grandparents, my other set of grandparents went, visited them at one point in time and they were watching, like they had literally Fox News blaring behind Aww. me in a big screen. And, uh, and my grandpa gave me a knife and he was like, I hope you can protect yourself. And I was just like, what is happening? It's so weird. Aww. But it's just the, like that, that constant, but I still don't think that's grappling with death. Right. That's like, yeah, that's interesting. That's an interesting distinction. That's like fear of death in, in the sense that you can't even, like, you can't even. Yeah. Right. Where, like, there's not an understanding of, like, well, it'll happen and then, you know, whatever. But, right. And, the, and the, the strange thing to me, too, and this is longer discussion that shouldn't happen on the podcast, but it's sort of the, like, a lot of the folks I, I hear who are talking about being so frightened in that way also have religious beliefs that would give them ideally a hope of the afterlife. Right. And it's like, why are, what, what is, why is, what? So <laughs> like, you want to. Like heaven sounds heaven, awesome to you, but. Right. You don't. But you yeah. don't want to get there quite yet. Yeah. 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 I remember like, I think I had a very morbid discussion. <laughs> I was a weird kid. Um, I remember talking to a pastor at one point in time and him saying something, he was trying to like talk about why, why he thought it was more than just faith that was sort of around salvation. And I think maybe I made the comment that I was just like, well, I mean, it seems to me that if you're saved right then, just because of this prayer, like why don't people just kill themselves in the aisles? Like, why isn't it just over? Because it seems like, you know what? You're done. You're good. Right. And I never really got a good answer to that. And he was kind of like, well, you have to like do some stuff. And I was like, but you guys also uh, yeah. say it's just this anyway, but it was a very weird deal. And I think I, um, at least myself, I found a lot more comfort later on when I, Stop believing that there was an afterlife. Me too. I was just like, okay. Sorry, Christians, but I've got yeah. this, Or sorry, whatever religion yeah. that feels like... And that's it's fine if that helps you, but for me, it was not helpful. No. Um, it was very much this, this like, weird, scary thing because I think of the threat of, like, a, a bad afterlife. Right. And then as soon as it was gone, I was just like, cool, I get this one life, and I just need to make it good. And then, right, and then... Hopefully, and have fun. The after is the same as the before, like... Right. Yeah. Like a full stop. Just like there, <laughs> yeah. there will be nothing. Yeah, and if there's something else, who knows? Fun adventure. But but like the the that made it a lot less frightening. I think there's still definitely like an autonomic response or something. Well, right. Yeah. I'd prefer to keep living. Sure. But, but I think there's no like moral judgment attached to dying now. Yeah. This is also okay, so I for anyone who's triggered my discussions of like near death, you shouldn't be listening to this at all. Um, we probably should put a trigger warning or something <laughs> at the beginning of it. That's, yeah. But um, but have you ever had like have you ever been swimming and had like a thing where you like got really scared that you were no. going to? Okay. No. Yeah. Yeah. Have you done that? Uh, that a little bit, yeah. not a lot, but like there's sort of that like oh what happens if I run out of air in this situation kind of right. deal, right. and that gets a little scary too. Yeah. And then it's just like yeah yeah there's a few things like that where where like. Or I used to skateboard, for instance, and like mm-hmm. I would do a trick and then like fall and think to myself, like, "Oh no, this is it." Right. But things slow down. Or like, have you had a bad car accident before? Nope, never. I I wow. like lived the like most safe. <laughs> we need to find wood for life. you to knock on. Um, <laughs> I mean, I have, and I had a couple of them. Not my fault. Um, 
the one that was my fault was very not bad. It was very, car accident. It was, the car was total, but we were totally fine. Uh, it was yeah. a slow. It was just both the airbags deployed. Yeah. Um, my ex was very mad at me because I drove a car sideways <laughs> into a church sign. Oh, nice! I was trying to slide around a corner. Um, but I was in one when I was younger where our car got T-boned. Right. My friend was trapped in the car and I was just like jumping around from adrenaline. Um, but in that moment it's like everything slowed down. And so I was like, I wonder if that's what like your body does when you're like, maybe going to die is just like gives you so amped up with like adrenaline that everything seems like really, really slow. Really slow. But yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Do you you think, Oh, go ahead. Do you think you, um, are ready to die like like oh tonight yeah like (laughs) (laughs) and then i realized i shouldn't have let you in my house (laughs) damn canadians but like Um, if you um if you go tonight in your sleep sure yeah like and say you get that that five minutes to think about the fact that you're dying like are you okay with that? Well, okay. I guess on the first, the first response I have is like, it doesn't matter. Right. Because right. If you're going to die, you're going to die. And it right. like, who cares? Right. Um, nice I mean, I would answer. care. Yes. But, yeah. but like, I think, I don't think it's ever possibly ready for something that hasn't happened. Mm. Um, in the same way that I'm guessing, although I'm going on a limb here, that you weren't ready to be a mom until you were a mom. Right. Yeah. Or you weren't ready to be married until you were married. And so, yeah. Until I die multiple times, I can't really answer that question. And like, <laughs> good answer. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't know. I, 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 I would hope that I could find some sort of peace in it. I guess, but, yeah. but I think this is, you know, the some of the stuff I do when I'm like meditating or whatever is like considering death. And I don't know if it's something that like it, maybe it's really facile. Maybe like my ability to actually even consider it is not. Right. It's super limited by the In fact the that I'm just very much alive. People without kids, like, right. you can't actually grasp. Yeah. Right. And I don't meditate on being a mother. So yeah. <laughs> that would be weird. Stick to death. <laughs> Stick to death. Simpler. Death over, yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm just always happy being, like, sort of a, a, um, a instead of a godparent, I call myself a devil parent. Um, <laughs> I had a friend who was very religious who had, like, six kids. And I was like, oh, I'm, like, your son's devil parent. Devil parent. And, he did not. They he was like, I did that, never call. Yeah. I never called you that. I don't agree. <laughs> but, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I think I do. Do you think you would be? I don't know. I try every time I get on a plane, I try to be like, yeah. Like, yeah. Planes. It's funny how planes are like, so universally the like thing yeah. that like happen. Right. I mean, I know statistically I should be thinking about my death every time I get into a car, but like, well, like, don't airplanes people are die scarier. from like dogs or bees well, than airplanes right. do, or something yeah. like that? So. Like, or guns, or right. like falling downstairs. Like, yeah. So, but airplanes seem like it's it, they're almost like a. Um, it's so obvious that you're out of control. Like, sure. You, like, well, because yeah. I think what we imagine is we imagine. It's slowly, like, like failing and, right. and knowing that you're coming from like thirty something thousand feet and yes. you're just slowly you, going. You do the have ground. that time, that as I opposed was to it explodes before. or right or whatever else. Yeah, because it wouldn't be. So, just, I mean, oh, yeah. the scary thing is not the like it blowing up. That wouldn't. No, you wouldn't if have you're instantly dead, whatever. Yeah, but it's the time you have to put on your podcast. <laughs> I think honestly, like, hmm, and maybe this just points out to how I am as a person. The part that most most worries me is just like, oh, I'm gonna have to be around all these other people while, uh, <laughs> like as an introverted person, dealing, yeah. like, oh man, all these people are gonna freak out, mm-hmm. and maybe I will too. Why but... can't they just be calm and let me, like, yeah, right? On and I'm just things. like, maybe somebody will have Xanax. Yeah, <laughs> maybe someone on the plane will have a lot of drugs, and we'll all just, <laughs> we'll just all just fall. Asleep. There's not time for an orgy. There's not time for any kind of like fun at the end. <laughs> yeah. So, so I feel like when I get on a plane, which is more often these days, I feel like I need to sort of do an assessment of, am I okay with myself? Which, mm. You know, do I think like I... Like where you are with your life or whatever? Where I am with my life and just sort of reconcile in my head so that if, we, if there is just three minutes left, I don't have to do that then. I can do, sure, like, yeah. maybe I'll fit in a call to my family or, like, whatever. Right. 
but like I don't have to like sort through, which is so stupid. Let's be real. You would just check. You check Twitter. That's what you would do. <laughs> You'd be like, hold on, yeah, let me see a second. the sports scores. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean, what honestly, I might, I might actually check Twitter because like they for me like to roll out my family loves. My chosen family. Exactly. But, yeah. But no, yeah, I think there, there's a, it would definitely put things into perspective. I guess what I try to do sometimes when I'm like being conscious about my life is think about like, what would I do different if I was going to yeah. die sooner than later? There was that great talk. We'll put a link in the show notes. Oh, that, yeah, from Amit. By Amit. Yeah. yeah. Talking about, so if you were going to die, if you found out today that you were going to die soon what would you regret never having gotten around to was his right. way of phrasing that right. question, which I thought was really a great twist on the whole. What would you re- like, what would you do today if you found out you were dying? Right. Which is such a stupid, like right. that doesn't get you it's realistic answers. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Have an orgy. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, like, what would you regret if your time was had run out? Right. What are the things you would regret? not doing and how about you just go do those right, right no yeah i think it's a good it's a good strategy there's actually like a, a friend of mine's doing a she's leading a class or something on um a year to live so it's like a meditative practice where you envision like dying in a year right and then you you deal with the things that you would deal with if you right. had a year left and and like i think kind of tying it back to like earlier you're we we're talking about like first brushes like my dad basically had a year to live. Right. And I don't think it's very fair of me to judge what he did with it, but I didn't really agree with most of it. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think he did. He continued to just be a pastor and continued to just do a lot of the same churchy things he was doing. I think he tried to, like, turn it into, like, a wholesome story or something. Right. But, it became his thing. Yeah, his but I'm like, I don't think it was a bucket list situation. Right. He already had a motorcycle. Hmm. You know, he'd been to Japan, but like, because uh, I would like to think that if I had that time, I would, I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't be able to afford to quit my job. That's kind of the the rough thing too, I think. A lot yeah. of the like fantasies about like right. bucket list. Yeah. Like, where do you get that money? Right. Because like the honest answer is I would love to go like hiking around Europe a little bit and like maybe go see Asia again and like <laughs> just travel yeah. with a couple people that I cared about yeah. where I could support all of us to go do that. That would be right. bad. Yeah. But only if I could bring my cat. <laughs> yeah. Did you actually, that reminds me, did you ever have a pet who died? Yeah, I've had. So when I was a kid, I had a rabbit and it died what was by their name? Nibble. Oh. Yeah. She was an outside rabbit. Like we never Wait, had what? it in the house. It lived in a hutch in the backyard. My sister and I each had one. Um, What was her name? Toffee. Nibbles and Toffee. Nibble. Nibble. Singular. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Nibble died because a dog was running loose in the neighborhood and Mm. got into her pen and ate her. Yeah, I was like 12 (sighs) or 13 and I was a wreck. Yeah. I still, April 9th was a Tuesday. Whatever year it was, I don't remember, but it was. But that was when the neighborhood dog ate your cat. Yeah, ate your rabbit. Exactly, yes. and yeah, so that was That's pretty horrific. damaging. It was horrific. Did you? Did you? Were you? Did you notice it, or did your parents find out and tell the you? The neighbor called to say, "Hey, there's a dog on our back lawn with a rabbit. Is it yours?" So I did see um, my rabbit's body after it was dead. Yeah, and ripped open. Right. Um, but I wasn't there when it died so that's good i guess yeah it was whatever um and then i've had two cats who both of whom i held while they were euthanized as old cats yeah at your house or at a vet or at a vet Hmm. and And you had them from like when you were in your 20s until when they passed away till yeah like five years ago maybe but you got five and seven years. Yeah, we have replacement cats now. Eh, you know, <laughs> just bring on the next cat. Did you tell your kids that the cats had died, or did you just get new cats and just pretend? Oh they had no, them? there was a space in between. That's good. Where you know we dealt with the cats were gone. We were catless for a while, but like for me, like it was important to be part of their death. Like 
we knew we were euthanizing them. They were both very old and like losing control of their facilities. And mm-hmm. so, um, I was glad I was there. Um, yeah. To like snuggle them. Yeah. It was like so sad. That's rough. I, yeah, I think that's, that's definitely like the first encounter with death that a lot of us have. I had that, <laughs> um, now that I'm thinking about it way before any of the other stuff I mentioned, the first time I was around something that died, it was, I was two mm. and I got a kitten for my birthday Aww. and I played with it all day. And a lot of this is like, I don't know how much I remember, how much is reconstructed yeah. from stories. But, um, what I do know is that I played with it all day and I vaguely remember having a slide and the cat going on the slide with me and just lots of fun. And then at the end of the evening, I was like, where's my cat? And couldn't find it. And, um, my mom and I were pretty sure it might be under the lazy boy recliner. And my dad, who in retrospect was probably drunk at the time was like, I'm not going to wait for it to come out and just got up and it crushed the cat's neck and the cat died. This is the worst nightmare. We always check under a lazy boy. Yep. And, um, and so we went to the vet and the cat died and they brought it out in a bag. And my dad was mad because he was like, how dare you? Like, (sighs) we don't want the dead body of the cat, but I was traumatized. I'd imagine. Um, and I was two, so I don't know fully that I was traumatized, but I have vague memories. And, um, and then we didn't have, cats again for maybe eight or ten years we had a bunch of dogs and every single one i just liked in its own unique way Hmm. um just never was a dog person my dad kept getting dogs in a way that like they're resilient and they'll be fun and i'm just they weren't i like a cat that can sit on my lap when i read yeah um and and in my adult life i haven't had to deal with that i had a cat um i lost a cat which is a different kind of sadness yeah well not i'll explain i when i moved from austin to portland i had two cats and one was my ex's cat snorry who was sitting in front of us and one was boyd who was my cat and i'd had boyd for 13 years i found him on the street and i loved him dearly and he was getting older he was like 13 um but still had a lot of life in him when I was moving, I didn't have any way – I couldn't get anyone to take care of one or both of them while I was moving. Yeah. And then – so I was like, well, I'll just bring them both with me in the car. And they fought and fought and fought for the first seven or eight hours. Ugh. And I just – it was really difficult to drive. Totally. Um, and the girlfriend that was with me was, like, doing her best, but it just wasn't going well. And so I made this really difficult decision because it was in the middle of this drive and I didn't know what to do and I didn't think I could make it. And I was going to have to start my new job at the company yep. we used to, I used to work for, uh, that you work at, um, like a few days later. So I found a no kill shelter Yeah. and I had to make the difficult choice between the two cats. Oh. And my thought was that this cat, Snorri, is a tiny helpless baby and that Boyd was the much tougher one. And so Boyd would do really well. And I watched him get walked on a leash by my girlfriend into the vet. And then, uh, they called us later on that day to say that he was adopted by a family on a farm, like literally lives on a farm. And, uh, my, my deep, right. My deep hope and desire is that he's spending like his last few years, like hunting mice or doing whatever, because, he deserves that. And it was a really big bummer, but I didn't, didn't hold him while he was, it was this different kind of loss. It was more like a breakup with a cat than, than a, than a dad. But I hope that I'll have Snorri much longer, but it's hard. I think that like, that's another reason I would dread parenthood is because having to explain to children like, well, that they're not here anymore. Well, what does that mean? Well, they're just not. Yeah. Yeah. They're in the ground. I don't know. Yeah. We, um, my older daughter had a hamster for a while. Oh, hamsters are, that's a, usually a bad one. Well, right. Cause like they don't live very long. Mm-mm. And, um, one evening I was out for coffee with my sister and I got the phone call. Puddles is dead. Puddles? Puddles. Oh, Puddles. <laughs> <laughs> so I went home and we found like a shipping tube to bury Puddles in. We buried him in the backyard 
And it's funny, like we painted like Puddle's name and date of mm-hmm. birth and death on mm-hmm. on the rock that he's buried under. And my younger daughter, mm-hmm. who was probably four or five when he died, like sometimes still counts him as a family member. Wow. Like she'll say, yeah, there's six of us. There's, you know, um, me and Gwen and mom and dad and Peppy and Salma, the cats. And, and Puddles. Puddles, who's in the backyard. <laughs> wow. And like she knows he's dead, but like it's not. But she knows that one day he'll rise again. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, she's an inveterate atheist. She has fights with her friends on the school ground about the existence of God. Wow. Makes a mother proud. Wow. Little, little <laughs> eight-year-old little, Richard Dawkins. Little, yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Oh, poor Puddles. Poor yeah, Puddles. what a terrible pet. And I think that's the thing, too. Like, a lot of parents get their kids the kind of pets that are just going to fish. croak yeah. really fast. And both with fish, at least, you can replace them with a similar-looking <laughs> fish. And you have no idea because they have... <laughs> limited personality. Um, I collected lizards when I was little. I oh, wish yeah. I was to catch them. Like there were these kind of lizards that live in Texas called anoles, hmm. and they would change from brown to green oh. in a camouflagey sort of way. And so I would catch them and I'd keep them in a little container and feed them crickets. And eventually, I would let them go or they would die. Right. Uh, but it happened pretty often, and I don't like. It, I don't know if I like ever got super attached to anyone. Like, I don't remember grieving a pet other right. than the cat that I that I lost when I yeah. was in second grade. Or when I was two, rather. Um, but yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely did not... <laughs> my, my sister did have a hamster, though, that uh, escaped from its little area. Yeah. Um, possibly went feral before <laughs> he did so. Like... Had been biting my dad whenever he yeah, tried to clean the cage. Our hamster was a biter too. Yeah, yeah. and you know it happens. Um, yeah. Disappeared completely. Couldn't figure out where it was. Uh, a few weeks later, there was this smell in the kitchen, and we couldn't figure out what oh, it was. No. And it ended up being the hamster behind the oven. Oh, my dad no. like took a day off from work to clean the kitchen, which was one of the few times oh. he cleaned the kitchen. Um, but yeah, it was this horrific thing of like. But at that point. I don't think my sister and I either were very sad about it because it was just like, oh, that's where the just, damn hamster is. Yeah, like, yeah, it's dead. Yeah, Let go of it already. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like, well, you know, the reason it escaped was because she didn't really care about it all right. that much in the first place. Right. Possibly, I'm not really yes. sure. Yeah. But I don't remember anyone really mourning that. <laughs> so we never had, as a family, an animal burial, right? Or like that sort of sad moment. Yeah. Like we had a couple other cats when I was younger, and they disappeared, kind of. Deep. Right. They just um, didn't come back yeah it was actually like an infuriating thing that happened when i went to when i moved out there was a cat that lived in my house that i was really fond of but i couldn't take with me and then i could i came home or not came home i went to my dad's house like a year or so later or something and was like where is whiskers and yeah and he was just like i don't know i guess (laughs) i guess she got up and i was like what the hell (laughs) yeah yeah. Yeah, but it's a it's a thing to grapple with. And I don't know, maybe that is a like a more do you think that's a more um a safe way to introduce like kids death? Yeah, maybe that's it. It's sort of like bite-sized death. Like it's still death. Right. But it's not death that matters. Right. It's not death that Yeah, I mean I, I was going to say the, the, the petite mort, but I think that's actually just, <laughs> that's a different kind of thing. That's a whole other <laughs> podcast episode. <laughs> we go from mortality to orgasm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, there you go. Huh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think uh, to go back to the original premise, though, like coming back or coming into an understanding of what death is like is is like it's a weird it's a weird conception and and i don't know i don't know if we'll like if there is something on the other side we can talk about it then we can record sure. a podcast okay yeah in the afterlife that's a whole other yeah <laughs> yeah and just be well. like whoa it was life like that was weird <laughs> that was what a waste of time we had no idea no idea man. we have hoverboards here <laughs> <laughs> fuck yeah <laughs> uh, 
it's so true. Is there is there anything that you wish uh, you could tell yourself about mortality if, <laughs> as a younger from, person from the future? Oh, hmm. Now that you've lived uh, a good chunk of your like middle life, at least half of my life. Oh, yeah. I don't know about that, but um, a good quarter. Am <laughs> I? I mean, I don't know. You can live to 120. Why not? That's sure. Why not? (laughs) Um, yeah. What would I tell myself? I don't know. What do you, like, do you have, would you, what would you Oh, I mean, I I don't know. I I think I would tell myself just to keep on going the way I was going. I don't know. I don't think I have a lot of regrets in that way. I think I'm just like, you know what? It's been a pretty good run, um, so far. And like... Maybe, like, get over some of my, like, sex hang-ups earlier. Maybe yeah, have more fun. Yeah. Maybe, like, don't be so scared. That would yeah. be good. Yeah. Um, I had a friend who committed suicide. I didn't find out about it until a few years later after he... Because I'd... Um, lost touch. Lost with touch with him after high school. And I think... I wish I knew... I wish I'd been more clear with him mm-hmm. you know the last time we talked that i liked him like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. totally like tell the people you like or love that you like or love them like yeah. you have nothing to lose in that no, that's true and it might not save their life right it clears your conscience which is I mean, they're valuable. dead. It's still valuable, yeah. So that's what's left. And, yeah. and maybe, I don't know, maybe it will make a difference to them or maybe it won't, but, but like, that's all you have. Well, and like, it's better not to regret not doing it. Yes. Right? To just yeah. say, hey, I love you. This, you're an important person to me. And then, you know? Right. Um, that's all you can do. Yeah. Yeah, for whatever reason, the way I was raised, I did that pretty quickly. Quickly, maybe too quickly mm. in the same way of like a sort of you holly way i would be the very first one in a relationship to be like oh i love you uh, and like like quickly and i tell friends like pretty pretty like after a few months of knowing each other where right. we just like care about each other like one of us will inevitably say it and it feels really nice yeah. but i think i also like live in a magical lesbian fantasy world where like a I don't know. Um, sometimes a lot of women I know are, are more able to say that to each other. Right. Whereas yeah. there's less, there's not as much posturing. There is nothing to lose. It's a lot more clear there's nothing to lose. Yeah. And I haven't had really any experiences where someone didn't say it back. Right. So that helps. My parents said it all the time. My parents said it all the time too. Um, and yeah, I feel free now, especially with you know, telling, telling people I love them. I do love people. Yeah. I feel like it's less about whether they love me back now. Sure. Than it was when I was younger. I've heard somebody say in that regard that like, it's almost none of your business. Like how you feel about someone is your business and how they Mm. feel about you is their business. Mm. And, and I'm super curious about other people's business, but at the same time, like it's kind of their, they get to share it or not. Right. And you will never actually know in the same way that we Mm. won't know about death. We won't know how somebody actually feels about us. Until we can um, get a cybernetic implant that lets us telekinetically right. or whatever, tele- right. telepathically. And like, what link you with mean them by or... I love you could be totally different from what they mean by I love you. Right. But hopefully somewhere in the same world. Yeah. And I think that's the kind of like, yeah, yeah, that, that like shared conception. We should have, well, we could have like a love episode. Or, mm-hmm. yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. Talk about love. <laughs> Talk about the different kinds of love. <laughs> agape love <laughs> oh god no <laughs> just get related not that one that quick, one's like... quick sermon territory i don't even know what it was the, the seven languages of love <laughs> um gross let's god. never have that episode well i don't want to end let's on just love, talk about the eros love <laughs> the eros love yeah yeah sweet no. sweet sexy love but yeah um <laughs> yeah, you, you can talk that episode <laughs> one day we will die and that's okay and that's okay <laughs> Hooray, we're all going to die. Yeah. I love that Mallory's thing about that. Where she was yes, just like, I guess what I'm saying is we're, we're all, all going to die. die. <laughs> and, <laughs> and that's okay. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> oh, goodness. All right. All right. Yay. Good Yay. episode. And end. 
And that's the show. Reminder that show notes can be found at goodstuff.fm slash grownups slash 21. Thanks to our sponsor, FeedPress, and to goodstuff.fm for hosting the podcast. Thanks for joining us. 